you very much. Again, as I come to share with you this morning, I am very humbled because as I was going through this first part of chapter four, and I read the words lowliness, meekness, and patience, I thought, Lord, I don't really have any of those. And I'm gonna share with my brothers and sisters this morning, and I don't want to be hypocritical. And I came to the realization, I'm so thankful for that verse in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. And whatever instructions we have in the word, how God wants to show us things and build us up and use us in his service, without him, we can do nothing. And Jesus said, I will build my church. He says that in Matthew 16. And it was a prophetic word because at that time, the church didn't exist. And we know that in Acts chapter 2, we hear about a group of 120 disciples who are in the upper room seeking God. It seemed like a perfect church. They were praying, they were studying the scriptures, they were in one accord, they even did some business. They um, appointed another disciple. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them and filled them, and for the first time in the whole of history, 120 people became the body of Christ. And they had the indwelling Holy Spirit within them, and they, we know, went out into the streets. They didn't contain it in their building. They went outside and very soon 3,000 people were added to the church. And the church is the church of Jesus Christ. And so often we try to help him, don't we? We come up with plans and formulas and programs, but we forget that Jesus is head of the church and we are the body. And it's pretty obvious, if our head is severed from our body, we are dead. And we can have the most amazing ideas, but if Jesus is not the head of the body, it's all in vain. So as we, the body of Christ, join and listen and see what God wants to say to us this morning. We are his church. We are part of his body. And that authority, that headship was given to Jesus. It tells us in uh, Ephesians 1, after he had died, been resurrected, 
ascended and glorified at the right hand of the Father. That's when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Now Jesus is the head and we need to look to him. We're all parts of the body and every single one of us who has been born again by the Spirit of God belongs to the body. Doesn't matter how insignificant you might feel, you might compare yourself to somebody else, a definite no-no, and think, I wish I had that gift, I wish I could do this, I wish I could do that. All of us, every single one of us, is, we are part of the body of Christ. So, to go now to um, the, the passage that we're supposed to be looking at, Ephesians 4. And Paul speaks to these people in Ephesus. He had seen this church come to birth. And in order for that to happen, he'd interceded for them. He'd probably spent nights of prayer praying for this church to come into being. And he is concerned for them as he is with all the churches. I never think of Paul as a pastor, really, with that gift, but he was. Because he says, I am again in travail for you little children, that Christ would be fully formed in you. So he'd seen them birthed, become a church, the body of Christ. And then he continues to pray for them that they will be fully formed and built up as the body of Christ. Now, Later on in the chapter, he talks about seven aspects of unity. And when I looked at this list, I've kind of dissected it a little bit. Hope you don't mind that. But in that, that group of um, qualities that, that mean unity, we have God the Father. God is one God, the Father of us all. We have one Lord the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have one spirit. We are all born into the body of Christ by um, the Holy Spirit, as it were. Is that theologically sound? Yes, I think so. We were born of the spirit. We've been born from above. So the, the, the Godhead, the Trinity, is over this whole issue of unity. So it's really important. But as Paul begins his letter to these Ephesian believers, he says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And if you remember the story, the testimony of Paul, as Saul as he was on the road to Damascus, from the very outset of his conversion to Jesus, the first thing he says is, what do you desire me to do, Lord? Remember, he'd been shooting the church and he was thrown to the floor, we saw bright lights and then he's blinded. And he says, who are you, Lord? Here's a voice saying, why are you persecuting me? And he then acknowledges Jesus. And from that time, he sought to serve the Lord. Uh, and his life was laid down for the church. 
we need to constantly remember who the church belongs to. It's not about a building, it's not a denomination, it's not a committee, it belongs to Jesus and he is the head. And so, as he starts to speak to these Ephesians, he says, I want you to walk worthy. First part of Ephesians is about our wealth, all that we have in the Lord Jesus. And then we've got to unpack that and walk out um, our lives in a way that pleases God. And it's a sort of, a kind of like a balancing act, isn't it? Because we've received the life of Jesus by the Holy Spirit in us. And he wants, Paul, when he's writing, he wants us to live our lives in a way that shows we act as we say we believe. Our lifestyle should reflect what we say we believe. And so what is God after? Why is that so important that we're, we're living a truthful life? That we're not saying one thing and doing another. Because God is after fruit. He wants us to be fruitful. And I remember a picture that I, some preacher, he said, imagine you've got an, an apple tree and there's no fruit. So you decide to get some apples and tie them on to the tree. It looks perfect for a while, but the fruit will begin to wither and to rot because it is not coming from the life which is within. And we can sometimes look good on the outside. We come to church on a Sunday morning and we can, we can keep it together for a couple of hours. But what's it like the rest of the week? What was it like before you left the house this morning? So God's interested in the whole of our life. And because we think we ought to be a certain way or look a certain way, it can be very tempting to uh, put a facade on and not really um, be real with people. And so, again, we are encouraged, we're members one of another. Sometimes when we're struggling, we don't want to admit that we can't cope, we can't manage, and we need to reach out to other people and ask for help. Now, I find that very difficult to do. Uh, and so I understand if that's your, your problem, because it's, it's mine, I'm trying to be, um, not bother anybody, be self-sufficient. Lord, I'm depending on you. Sometimes we need to ask for help from other people and not, you know, maybe show a weakness that we're, we're not very happy or willing um, to do. But the Lord wants us to reflect the character and heart of Jesus. And what is our calling? You know, we think about a missionary or we think about somebody with a great uh, ministry in, in preaching and, and all sorts of stuff like that. But our calling basically is the fact we have been forgiven, we have come into the house and the, and the, uh, of God, we've, we've been brought into a family and God wants us to share that. 
He wants us to tell other people about that. Isn't that the most precious thing that we have? So why are we sometimes so reluctant to share it with other people? That is our call. And outside of this place, there is a sick, hurting, dying world. And the solution is the Lord Jesus. And so that's why this, this issue of fruitfulness and walking worthy of our calling is so important. Often a criticism of the church is they're all a load of hypocrites. Well, what exactly does that mean? It may be unfounded, but it's something that we need to just maybe every now and again just say, Lord, what is my motive? What is my attitude? I can look good and shiny on the outside, but what's going on inside? Am I really producing the fruit that you want me to produce? And as I said, we can't do it. We can't live a good Christian life. We need the power of the Holy Spirit every step of the way. It's a high calling and it's for every believer. You don't have to have a special gifting even though the Lord does give us gifts, but he's looking for fruit. And I just remind you of those, I'm sure you know them. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, patience, faithfulness, and self-control. And I love it that love is the first one in the list. And without love, everything else we do is useless and fruitless and the final one is self-control because even if we have the love and the desire to be kind to be patient unless we exercise self-control it probably won't work too well and sometimes for me self-control just means zipping my lip and not saying what I would like to say and so we've got this command from Paul this he urges us it's not just a, a suggestion he's urging us to walk worthy of our calling so that our behavior reflects what we say that we believe and there is a degree of personal responsibility we know our salvation is a gift of God we can't save ourselves but we are urged to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and so it begins with that understanding that God wants us to have the mind and the character of Jesus and the only way we can live like that is when we surrender ourselves to God and say I see what you want of me I want to do it but in myself I know that I can't and so I, I, I'm so struck by Paul. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He doesn't mention the fact that he is in fact under house arrest. He is a literal prisoner. But he's so concerned to bring God's word to these people that they will be built up and mature in the Lord. And so these qualities that we are to cultivate to nurture with in conjunction 
with the Holy Spirit. And I kind of thought, as I said, I, these qualities, I thought, well, I, I don't really have those in, in abundance. And I thought, well, what, what are the signs that I don't? And I just thought, how well do I wait? And I have to say, not very well. So it's an area I know I need to work on. What's my response to failure in other people? Sometimes better than others, I have to say. Do I think of myself more highly than others? Often. So I know that I'm a work in progress, as I guess all of us are if we're really honest. And it is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Thank God we're not where we were. If we've walked with the Lord for any amount of time, we know God's done stuff in us. He's changed us. And he will continue to do that until Jesus returns. I have begun a good work in you and I will complete it. So that is, again, um, a, an opportunity for hope. But then when he's saying, these are the qualities I want you to exhibit to one another. And I think one of the tests as well is, how well do we treat other people? If the fruit of the Spirit is really working in our hearts, how well do we treat others? Are we kind? Are we patient? Like me, I guess some of you would say, sometimes, and sometimes I miss it. But thank God that we can ask for forgiveness, we can put things right, and we can go on. So, Unity, again, is one of the things that Paul says is so important. And I've already mentioned our Father of our Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But the other areas of unity that Paul brings up is we're one body. And the head tells the body what to do. We've got this picture of our physical human body. And numerous as we are, we are one body in Christ, but we're individually parts of another. Do we have a care and a concern for the rest of the body? We've got one faith. Well, what's our faith in? Our faith is in a person. Our faith is in our Lord God and Father and Jesus. And our belief is in the promises of God, which of course is his word. And one of Jesus' titles is the word of God. So we're not putting our faith blindly in something that we don't know anything about. It is in, in God the Father, God the Son, and the, the belief that we have, the truth of his promises. And then we have one baptism for by one spirit you are all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, bond or free, 
and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So there's all these various qualities that we have as part of our unity. And then the last one, which is, I said, I've taken out of sync. But because of the days in which we live, and particularly, I thought of the news over the last 48 hours, is hope. What is hope? We have, if we're born again, we have received eternal life. We've received forgiveness of sins. We've received the Holy Spirit. We have come into the family of God. And that happened the minute that we were born again. But eternal life is also a future hope. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about hope and it's based on the resurrection of Jesus. He says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of men most miserable. But Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of them that slept, those who've already died. We shall be changed and what is mortal shall put on immortality. The dead will be raised to new life. Those alive will also receive a resurrection body. So our salvation is really three parts, just like, just like our bodies. We were justified and made right with God, but the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in us is our sanctification. We are being saved, little by little. And I love Psalm 23, which says, he restores my soul. So we are being restored our mind, our will, and our emotions. And finally, there will be a glorious day when we will receive a new body, a resurrection body. So that is our hope. And again, I just love the first three verses of um, John 14. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, and this is of course Jesus, believe in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place and I will come back, take you to myself and where I am, you will be. And finally on hope, Titus 2:13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearance of the great God and our savior, Jesus Christ. So we have a most wonderful hope in the Lord. But in the meantime, he wants us to be about the Father's business. And in verse 7, it says, grace has been given to us. It is because of who he is, not because of what we are. He has given to every believer a grace gift. And when Jesus returned to heaven after completing his mission to save mankind, he gave gifts to men. And the gifts of the spirit, which Paul mentions, of the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, teacher, and pastor. 
They are given to individuals, but they are not for individuals. They are for the building up of the body. And he wants us to be mature. He wants us to be able to, to test false doctrine, false teaching, that we would be able to stand um, against all the onslaughts of the enemy. And of course, he goes on in chapter six to talk about our warfare. So God wants us to be free, to be built up in love, and to see the body functioning as, as Jesus wants it to, so that we speak truly, deal truly, and we're fitted together with each part um, helping the other parts so that the whole body is healthy and is growing and full of love. So we've got this amazing um, pattern uh, spelt out for us here. And we are part of the building work. And we can come to the Lord and ask him for what we don't have. And so I think that's all I really want to say. Except, please know that you are part of the body. If you have made that decision to give your life to Jesus. And if you haven't, if you're a seeker <clears throat> and you would like to know that, you would like to know that, then please speak to us because it, the days are difficult, the days are evil, and we know that things can happen so quickly. You might think, well, I don't really want to make that decision now, I'll do it later. Things happen so quickly. If God is speaking to you and you know that you don't have his Holy Spirit on the inside of you, then that can be changed with a simple prayer. It's available to us. You don't have to be spe specially holy. All the things that we put in the way of coming to the Lord, we just need to come in our need and he will accept us. So I just, again, just so, so thankful for this body here and what a blessing you have all been to me in so many ways. And um, God has been so faithful. And as we do approach a new season, we know that we will again be, there will be changes, there'll be ways that we need to um, adjust, but we can know that God will guide us and lead us and it is because he cares for us but he also cares for all those who are as yet outside of his kingdom and it's the church is the means in which God wants to reach a lost world. Amen.